Alright, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another Rising Suns podcast. Uh, tonight is a special Rising Suns podcast, considering... So, Luke and I, were the Rising Suns. Well, now we have uh, the Rising Father on with us. We have our dad uh, as our guest speaker tonight. Uh, say hello to all those listeners, Dad. Hello, listeners. Like they said, I'm the Rising Sun Dad. So you got rising sun. I guess I'm rising dad. There you go. And then, <laughs> soon to be um, rising grandfather. Yeah, soon to be. We'll see. Okay. But um, well, not we'll see. It's really we'll see when it happens. It's <laughs> it's definitely happening, and it's, <laughs> it's definitely happening soon. Okay, we just don't good. know when. Oh, we're excited. Not if, but when. Right. 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 All right. Side tangent done luke uh why don't you tell us what we're talking about today thanks Wyatt. so today is a really cool topic because we're going to be educating everyone today on scuba diving you know it's that fancy thing where you go underwater and you breathe for about 40 minutes to look at fish so with scuba diving it's actually an acronym in itself for the word it stands for self-contained underwater breathing apparatus so it's a fancy way to say you have some kind of air system that you can breathe from while you're underwater as opposed to snorkelers right where you have a slightly longer way to look down maybe a foot under the water while to breathe you're bringing the air with you, and you don't have to go back up to the surface to get a breath. So, the big thing is, is like, well, why, why is this a thing? How, how do we get involved in it? And this is something that we got involved in, both me and my brother, from the Boy Scouts. Because uh, with the Boy Scouts, there's three Hyatt Adventure Camps. Where one is based in Florida over in the Keys, and one of the activities you can do is their scuba diving uh, program weekend. Scuba diving adventure. Yeah, diving adventure. Now, there's other options. Uh, there's a one you can go on a boat and go sailing for a week, there's another one where it's a big fishing trip. You'll go out deep sea fishing for a week. We can be marooned uh, on an island. I was going to say, if you want to get really crazy, uh, you can do a Johnny Crusoe Island adventure where they take you on a boat and then they dump you all there with a cooler of food. And they're like, all right, good uh, luck. Oh, you, you do a war, a war, ca- a war canoe. Oh, I thought they just give you the war the canoe. <laughs> so you have to maroon yourself then. Correct. <laughs> And uh, just to let you know, it's Jacques Cousteau. Who Jacques Cuba. Cousteau. My bad. He was a French underwater guy. Did videos and stuff underwater and stuff. He was a uh, oceanologist. Oh, I thought, I'm sorry. I thought you are correcting me on the Johnny Crusoe. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the guy who invented scuba. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, no worries. So what was the original air bladders like made out of animal leather or did, did he have a tank? Like well, he had, not- a ta- he had his scuba was very similar to the regulators we had. He was he had the first he's the one that came up with the actual modern diving where now you're going back to very early types of diving they were trying to do and uh, they tried all kinds of things with tubes and pumping air. Um, they actually had a pumping air uh, for the like deep diving. The deep divers, they would have yeah. a compressor on the land and have a tube, a hose that would go down to their helmets and stuff, and they'd have steel. So that kind of diving, that wasn't self-contained. That was just diving. But the actual self-contained scuba, that that came from Jacques Cousteau. He came up right. with the whole design with the regulator and the tank and the. And stuff that that was him that came up with. Yeah, because you have everything for one person on you, and it's going with you. Whereas yeah, uh, that's big correct. Yeah, you don't have dive a... suits. You're talking about, you know, that, they that's still dive like... like that today. They still do that for deep diving and stuff. They still use a hose. And yeah, that are like and... you know, working on rigs and navy divers when they go rescue subs or 
recovery of items and stuff. If they got to go really deep, that's that's still the way to do that. So for our audience and why you'd still want to do those diving suits with the airline essentially attached to you, it's getting pumped from the boat. As you go down, the atmospheric pressure will compress the air you have with you. So say at 10 feet, you have about 40 minutes of air. If you go down to 60 feet, that can cut it in half. And now you only have 30 minutes of air. And as the pressure gets more and more, as you go deeper down, you use up more of the air a lot quicker. And that's why even with dual tanks for the guys that do big uh, professional diving, they need a line, an, an airline. And does it also have to do with the, uh, I guess, the amount of safety built into the suit? Uh, to, I guess, make sure you don't get it scratched as easily. Yeah, all the to... suits are heavy. Oh, yeah, they're yeah. very, they're heavy. They wear, they wear like a heavy helmet and all that. The, the big thing, too, is so they don't get crushed by the water pressure. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, they're, they're, they're... yeah Every, everything's under pressure. Up. Yeah, those atmospheres start to add up pretty quickly. Yes, they, yes, they do. Yeah, which uh, I guess you should tell Luke what, what, what does an atmosphere mean? What does that mean? Do so, you know? and yeah, the uh, I might not remember the technical term, but the an atmosphere of pressure when you're using that as a terms of measurement is what you're experiencing from being outdoors on about I think was that sea level. Sea level. Considered? Yeah. Sea level, you have you got one atmosphere on you, which is actually zero. That's zero atmosphere at sea level. Base level. So basically, it's the base level. It's an atmosphere. So each, so like in salt water, is a little. It's a little. Uh, it's a little less. It's it's not as deep as fresh water. Fresh water you can go a little deeper because salt water is heavier. Mm -hmm. But every atmosphere, which is roughly, uh, I don't know, I think it's like 30 20, feet, 29, 30 feet, I think it is wide. And it's like 32 yeah. feet and something like that in fresh water. But what that means is that that added another atmosphere of weight. So say you had this the cylinder that was that's above you of, of going all the way up to where the atmosphere goes away. That whole cylinder, that that, that piece of atmosphere, that's a, that's a weight that your body has on you. Just like mm. if you go up high to mountains, it gets less. Less exactly. Weight. You're less than one atmosphere at that point. Right. You pay, yeah. Yeah. Now it's like it's a decimal of an atmosphere. But obviously, it's it's not thirty feet. It's it's much more. It's like you know. It's well, yeah, because air is less. Exactly. Air is air less. is way less. Water. But that just shows the listener how dense water is. That's you correct. only need to go thirty feet in water, and you're experiencing a whole nother atmosphere yeah. that you're like normally existing in like that's pretty crazy and yeah. you know we're just talking about people diving you know not 30 feet not 60 feet but you know hundreds of feet right deep so it's right. pretty crazy they get many pretty quickly now it doesn't always it, it it doesn't always uh i'm thinking if i think right the change gets less or something every atmosphere as you go down as in the way oh, really i yeah. thought it went up it cuts in half in half so so oh, now okay. yeah it's like a logarithmic scale a change in pressure from zero to 30 feet is a lot on your body versus 30 to 60 is half the change oh wow and 60 okay. to another 90 it's half the change of that and half the change of that it's oh. still get it's still you're still feeling it and it still adds up, but it doesn't add up as doubling, like 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 a multiplier, like like Luke says. It's an it's a uh, it's logarithmic. What, yeah, it's lo it's a logarithmic thing. Yeah, yeah. And so for the, for the yeah. viewers, yeah, just just look up that graph. You'll see it's it's basically diminishing returns as you get higher and higher. Yeah. There's there's an effect, but it's not as drastic as it is at the first couple now, atmospheres. Air wise, it's right what Luke says. It can double the air like. You, that gets that gets doubled. In other words, you use double the air. So from thirty feet, from zero to thirty, you double the use of air, and then sixty, you double the use of that air again. You see what I'm saying? So oh, yeah. that's that's the problem. You get too deep. That's why you can't go too deep on tanks. 
I think the deep, the deepest probably you can go on tanks, and you'll take doubles, and uh, and when and with your doubles, obviously, I, are we staying to the? I don't know. Are we staying to your outline? Or are we? You can you can say whatever you want. Yeah. Oh, it's, okay. okay. I, yeah. <laughs> con- yeah. Conversation gets dictated however it's going. Okay. All right. All right, guys. It's a newbie here. Okay. Okay. It is. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just kind. Right, we broke down the <laughs> apologize. last episode too. Oh, we did. Okay. Um, I know you you wanted to get more technical later on. I guess we can come back to that if you'd like. We could go ahead and say why we got into diving. I guess. Yeah. That's. You know what? That's probably good. Let's uh, walk it back some. That's okay. exactly. We're we'll, walking we'll back. scientific. We're losing the audience here. Yeah, exactly. So, That's true. And I don't want to lose the audience. This is just a <laughs> So let's not get too crazy. They want to go dive and they'll learn this firsthand. That's a good point. So what I, what I mentioned earlier was we, we got involved through the Boy Scouts because they have the High Adventure Sea Base uh, down in the Florida Keys. And... The coolest thing we thought when it was proposed to the troop was, yeah, let's do scuba diving. You can you can kind of learn everything else outside, but like, who who does things underwater? So, the the first thing we needed to do was actually find an instructor. Instructor, and how how did you come across Keith Risley? He he was our well, Tom McCaffrey, who was the assistant scoutmaster with me. And uh, I, I got to say, I think Tom is the one that put the scuba in our heads because I got to admit it was never on my bucket list. <laughs> uh, you know, I never like grew up and said I want to be a scuba diver. I never said that. <laughs> and uh, but I think it, it was Tom McCaffrey. He came up with the idea. And uh, and then, of course, a few of you boys were like, oh, that sounds cool. And so Tom McCaffrey did some research and he, he came across Keith which was out of Avondale, which was the closest scuba shop next to us. Which shows you it's a, it's kind of a niche hobby. Yes. Yes. I, I got to say, uh, the Internet's killed, uh, killed scuba shops. Like, 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 you know, Amazon and stuff just. Oh, yeah. On pot shops, you know, they really done a number on, on, on scuba shops. Because you could probably get everything just cheap. You can't. So I'm surprised though because I thought one of the big catches with having your independent shop is being able to train out of it. So you like, where should, do people get the training? You should support your scuba shop definitely. You should be buying through them because that's how they they kind of they don't really make a lot of money on the training. They make their money on the gear yeah, and on, on planning trips, planning the scuba trips. So you should definitely support your scuba shop more you can. Try not to get the cheap deal on, and plus you might buy the wrong equipment that you're not that you're not familiar with. This way, the scuba shop, you can try it before you buy it. Chances mm-hmm. are they got they got uh, rentals and stuff of the gear that they sell. So yeah, and I don't know about you guys, but if I'm gonna be relying on a piece of equipment to allow me to breathe, that's correct. 30, 40 feet underwater, you know, I want to make yeah. sure I'm getting something good, you know. And you, <laughs> you want to make sure you have a guy that knows how to keep it keep it working. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's and that's your scuba shop. So if we don't have scuba shops, we it's going to be. I mean, they're getting harder and harder to find. I mean, we we only have not even half the scuba shops we had when you guys learned to scuba. Wow! Yeah, wow. they're, they're getting a... few and far between now. These scuba guys. You know, it's funny. I used to drive by one in Lawton, you know, and I never stopped and checked it out. So you know, they could have just been closed down. But I always wondered. I'm like, what the hell? Is a scuba diving store doing out here yeah. in Lawton, Oklahoma? Well, think well, about yeah. it. Maybe they're they're diving in a quarry where we learned that, and they, they, <laughs> know, they, they probably got they plan scuba trips. And for the divers, yeah, the divers right. still need a place to have their gear checked out before they go on scuba trips and stuff. So that's that's what these dive shops are doing there. You know, making sure gear is good, or they're renting gear. And they plan scuba trips. Obviously, the best scuba trips that are planned are through dive shops. That's another thing that mm-hmm. the dive shop does. Oh, okay. Because they're not gonna. They chances are they've dived where they're gonna tell you to go diving. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you try to do it on your own, you you know you might get a bad boat. You might get you know guys that don't know what's going on. This way, when you go through your local scuba shop, they they already know what areas are good and what are not good. 
because they've experienced it themselves probably first. So building off the expertise for the folks that run the scuba shops, we got a kind of training with NAWI, National yes. Association of Underwater Instructors, and that's the less common version of your scuba certification. Uh, one you'll most often hear if you do a cursory research of stuff in the United States, at least for certification, is PADI. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about the difference in the two and really why we would promote Nawi over Patty if, if you have the option. Well, you know me, I'm a Nawi guy for sure. I've gotten all my training through Nawi, all my expert training, the, the, the advanced training I got, I got it through Nawi. Keith, Keith was an instructor through another group too, but Nawi is actually made up of, of professional scuba divers and also now he's uh, the ones that train the train the military they use Nawi, and the reason is is now he has a lot more um they go into a little bit more safety stuff and things and and there's more skills that they train to get you certain now versus patty patty they like to nickel down you to death like you'll get your basic cert and then you got to pay a little extra to get like a cert for you know diving with nitrox or cert you know they they like mm. all these little things that they add on like camera and stuff and where they it's like it's like um add-ons to like your car you know the base model is is, is very base whereas nawi their base is a, is a high it's a better base model i'm with all the features with the features exactly the heated so, seats exactly the blind um, spot detectors. Nawi, you, you learn some first aid with Nawi. You learn how to rescue oh, yeah. a diver in trouble with Nawi. And that's just in your basic training. And Patty doesn't teach that stuff for basic yeah. for basic diving. Yeah, so the, the biggest doesn't thing... Patty sell gear too? Oh, yeah. Patty likes to push the gear too. They they, 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 very, they push gear a lot more. They're, they're more pushy than they are in the Nawi guys. Yes, correct. Well, because Nawi doesn't even, even make gear, right? No, they don't. They don't make no. They they're literally make, just instructors. They're, they're just yes, they exist to instruct. That's correct. I mean, a lot of them have dive shops. Obviously, they they probably yeah. have dive shop. But but yeah, they don't exactly. They're not as pushy on the gear and stuff. And but yeah, it's like I said, it's it's one one is very and and, and Patty's like very civilianish versus now he is, is professional. Mm -hmm. So. You know, it's more for, for like like professional welders, underwater welders and stuff. They get Nawi certified. You know what I'm saying? So, and I'm thinking Nawi might be a little bit more money than Patty too. It's been a while. I don't know what it costs these days. So you might. Pay it, it is. I I know that was one of the things that Chris, uh, I'm sorry, Keith started with when he was talking to us about it. Yeah. Why well, a lot of people go to patty but like you said it's because they nickel and dime everything so yes they do you're not you're not getting as much out of it from the start right and i think it's more fair to get the more well-rounded knowledgeable training versus the things you have to keep adding on to yeah i, I, I know with the advanced certification you get the use of nitrox the use of yes your dry suits the use of much more deep diving beyond your what your basic certification would be yeah uh, and that, that's all included in just the one advanced course that's correct whereas in whereas in pad you got to pay extra for those things dry suit, yeah. nitrox dual tanks yeah so yeah. To, to our audience the recommendation more comes down to uh why it's jokingly pointed out but it's 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 a good safety thing for a kind of hobby that has a lot of inherent risk you're you're underwater you're breathing underwater and it's yes. it's good to know skills that keep you and your buddies safe while you're in a hostile environment because yes. uh, let's be honest here and when we never when you're 40 feet, you, you never die oh yeah you always have a die buddy always yes that's have a buddy. that's a that's have a big a thing with really any hazardous or even semi-dangerous thing the buddy system is very important. You look on the news, the clowns always getting lost in the woods are always by themselves. They're never hiking with a buddy. 
Or you yeah. know that movie about that guy who got stuck under that rock and he had to cut his own arm off yeah. with his pocket knife? Yes. I wouldn't have happened if he had a buddy. That's correct. You're Unless right. they both, uh, both got their arms stuck. But the, the, the chances are a lot lower. Absolutely. The uh, um, the scouts are big on money system, and uh, so am I. So is the Army. Military is big on money system. Yes. Yeah. The reason for that. Yes. It, it, you're, everything it's is proven. safer with buddies. Yeah. So. Do not dive alone. No. I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> don't, be a, don't be a lone diver. That's for sure. There's no reason to dive alone. No reason. It's not as fun either. Exactly. No. Honestly, it'd be really stressful. It's just so there's a lot of fail safes built into when you're diving with a buddy, yeah, right? I mean, so and look, I wouldn't say it's not any more dangerous than skydiving or race car driving, you know, if you if you do racing or horseback riding, you know, you get through so I, I wouldn't say it's like overly dangerous. I wouldn't scare people too much about it. It's it's pretty oh, no. it's it's, I, it's, I'm a, gonna it's, say, it's a safe hobby. As hobbies go. Obviously, there's inherent risk, but if you're if you're decent, if you got decent health, you don't have a lung issue like asthma or something. Hey, you, it's, you it's follow a good instructions. Job. You follow exactly. <laughs> you get trained. You you follow directions. You stay within the. You know you you now you got computers. Remember, we learned with dive tables, and I'm sure they probably still teach dive tables. But with the computers today, you don't have to worry about dive tables and so forth. Oh, they do it all for you. Oh, you don't have to track your gauges and look at your air and all they that. They tell you how long you got to do your safety stop for. Exactly. The computers <laughs> yes. even tell you when you got to do safety stops. Automatically. So, what is a safety stop? Oh, yes. Well, that goes back to our original conversation about uh, how deep we go. Obviously, ties it into our atmospheric pressure. That goes back to the atmosphere exactly. So when you go beyond one atmosphere, that is when you're going to have to do a safety stop on the way back up. If you stay less than an atmosphere, then you don't have to do a safety stop. So why why are we calling it a safety stop? What what happens when you go beyond an atmosphere in the water? Well, beyond. Remember, we talked about the pressure and the gas being pressured, the air, the oxygen that you breathe. I shouldn't say oxygen, it's air. Obviously, oxygen's in it, but it's it's not pure oxygen. It's just compressed air, which is, it's not any compressor that does it. The compressor has to be certified for breathing air because of the filters and so forth. Because you, you don't want, and never use a regular compressor to do your tanks. Yeah. First of all, you can't get the pressure you need to fill the tanks, and it's it's not clean air. It's not clean enough to breathe. These these compressors that they do these, these scuba tanks got filtering and all that stuff. They make sure that air has got no particulates like oil particulates and 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 dry, so it's not doesn't have a lot of water in there. But as we're saying, as as you go down each atmosphere, your body and and you and you're taking in more air, even though it's compressed, it's more dense. So the nitrogen is more dense, and that's what's and that's what's happening. Is that this nitrogen is getting in your body, and every atmosphere you go down, the body absorbs more of that nitrogen. It doesn't just stay in your lungs; it starts going throughout the body, and that nitrogen is what you need to worry about. And that that's that's what that's what gives you your time limit for being down under the water too. Is how much nitrogen your body's picking up while you're being down there, and uh, and that when you come back. As you come up, the air starts decompressing, and if that's why you can't come up very fast, if you come up too fast, the bubbles will start getting bigger in you, the nitrogen bubbles and so forth, and that's when you can get the bends. So you have to be, you got to come up slow, and you got to take stops for off-gassing. So depending on how deep you are, that tells you where you got to stop. So say you go three atmospheres or two atmospheres, and you're down there 40 minutes. You might have to stop at at twenty five feet. Your first stop for about twenty minutes. Now the safety stop you're talking about is if you don't go too long. Which typically, if you're just doing one tank, you're only going to need a safety stop if you go say two atmospheres, and that's and that's usually at fifteen feet. 
and you sit there for a few minutes. I don't remember. It's like two or three minutes, I think. you got It to. is three whole minutes. Three whole minutes. And you the just... hardest part is staying in place. It oh, is. yeah. It is. But <laughs> as, you, as you guys know, with the diving boats, they'll, they'll have, uh, they have a safety stop set up down there on the lines. You just hang out on that line. It's already it's... set at the depth you need to be at. And you just chill out and you just wait right there. That's so to the to the audience here, uh, with what our dad's referring to is there's usually a separate anchor line that they'll put out when the whole crew is out diving on whatever area you set off at, whether it's a wreck or a reef is the more common one. And the Pretty biggest thing you learn about scuba diving is how learning how to float correctly rather than swimming. And it's right. all based around buoyancy. Yeah. And there's two ways we suit up to combat buoyancy. The human body, because of our fat content and just generally holding air in our lungs when we're underwater, makes us buoyant and float on the water. So to get past that first you have to wear what's called a weight belt it's something you wear around your waist and you put so much weight on it as a percentage of your body weight that's what's going to help you sink more naturally but then you're like well how do you get back up if you have basically a weights that's pulling you down you wear a vest that is an inflatable air bladder called a buoyancy control or bc and that's what you use. It's hooked up to your same air tank to inflate with air. And then you'll deflate as you need to go down and inflate as you need to go up. So the biggest thing you'll be combating when you're first learning to dive is how to find that sweet spot. So you're not either sinking too fast or rising too fast. And you're just able to kind of be in a neutral buoyancy. You're not, you're not going up or down. Easier said than done. That's true. It does take it takes a lot of dives to get that figured out. Then after a while, you get it figured out, and you just use your lungs to go up a little or down a little. So you're not always messing with your BC. Comes like second nature. It does, yep. So with the uh, all the training that we did for the three of us, we went to a place that sadly is no longer in business, but it oh. was in Bethlehem, PA with Dutch, Dutch Springs. Dutch Springs is gone? No, they, they're gone. Yeah, yeah. The oh, COVID that's sessions. That's a shame. too much for them. It, it really is. Because uh, for, for our audience here, they're in a quarry. And essentially, when usually when a quarry hits water, they'll, they'll abandon the whole site. And then it's been a popular thing to kind of fill it up with odds and ends that you can see. So they had the fire truck there. They had a lot of training platforms set at certain depths so you can help train your skills. And that's where a lot of people go for instruction first rather than going to the ocean diving. And I'll, I'll go why and a little further in. But uh, they also had a water park. It was a the big the aqua park. Aquacork. Yeah, the aqua park. I just, yeah. I just pulled up their website. It's so sad. It's like Dust Springs isn't open anymore. Thanks for all the memories. That's a shame. Yeah, I, I I forgot. Oh, it was my roommate. Yeah, she told me about it because her family went there for summer trips all the time just because of the aqua park. Oh, that's so. shame because that was a beautiful quarry. Because most quarries you can't yeah. see. The water is so silly. Yeah, because we had those. One of the nice things about this quarry for the audience is it was, for once, it was a good use of an invasive species, but it was completely full of beaver mussels. Yep. And uh, the mussels filter out water naturally as they're as they're trying to eat, and that that includes pulling out the silt. So yep. the visibility was actually enough that you could see uh, a good maybe 20, 30, thirty to sixty feet, feet yeah, on I'd a good say 20, day. Twenty thirty feet. Okay. So, which is pretty damn good for a quarry. That oh, is yeah, very good yeah. for a quarry because I've been in quarries where you can't even see your hands. Oh my god, yeah, that's like the Elk River. <laughs> yeah, the Elk River is another awful place. Yeah, yep. And the uh, that that's where we went to train before we went to sea base. Now, why did we do that first of all? Because sea base does have a training week that you can do and you can learn to dive there. Well, 
the biggest reason was for two things. One, while you're training and you're not being careful, you can do what's called you can blow your blow out your eardrums because as you go down and diving and going up, kind of like if you ever been on an airplane, that pressure change is felt directly in your ears and it's pressing on your ears, especially when atmospheres are getting added up. So you have to manually clear your ears, whether by uh, kind of like the swallowing motion or by holding your nose and blowing to, to release the pressure a bit. A lot of first timers aren't paying attention to that and they'll actually blow one or both of their eardrums. And when that happens, technically uh, you're, you're not self-contained anymore because now you can get water in your head and that can lead to infection and whatnot. Yeah, so definitely done. You got to stay out of the water until you heal. Yeah. And it's such a common thing that if you if you did that on your training stuff while you're in Florida, it, you wasted all your money because if you did that, say, on the second day, you can't do anything for the rest of the week. That's right. And you so wasted your that money. That happened. You're going to get qualified. Yeah. They're not, they're not going to give your money back. And it did happen. <laughs> yeah, we, had, we knew some kids down there when, on Luke's trip, the three of them had to stop diving they popped their ears and they couldn't dive. yeah they're chilling out on the boat one fell asleep and became a lobster because he didn't put any sunscreen on either (laughs) and then the the second thing is because of being in fresh water it's a lot harder to actually control your buoyancy yes compared to salt water so it's actually nicer if you can practice in the harder environment first when you get into the ocean where and all the colder. fun stuff is. Oh, my oh, and, and colder. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's another good point. Why? Definitely a good example of training harder than you fight. That's yeah. correct. And I think that made us all better divers, diving in that quarry. Oh, I'd say so. Yeah, because by, by being in that harder environment, it, it really makes you more confident in yourself as you're doing the training and when you get to a a nice calmer environment like you know 80 degree water at 15 feet on coral reefs in the ocean uh you don't even really have to think about anything you got everything down you're already a pro at all the common tasks you got to do with your buoyancy your air control yeah checking your your gauges and whatnot so i think it was a great way to prepare us to have the most maximize our time having fun yes. by, by getting all the sucky parts out of the way first and uh <laughs> unfortunately uh as a lot of our activities go it's never without any crazy hoopla going on because hmm. on my very last training dive at dutch springs so we had was it eight or nine dives total for the week we were, weekend we were doing? I think you get eight if everything goes well. You need six to qualify, and you got a makeup dive, and then you got to dive for fun. Okay, so we were definitely on our eighth dive then because everyone was certified. We got the congratulations from our instructor. Everyone passed all the training they needed to do and demonstrated that they're competent enough. Uh, so we went to have a a dive set up where we would go to a platform that set at a certain feet. I think it was one of the dive platforms at 45 feet is that way we set a nav point to go find this Swartzky helicopter that was submerged. And uh, it's it's a really fun, fun thing to dive around and and look at. But it wasn't on the bottom. Remember, it was actually floating. Yes. Yeah. Because it was hoisted up in the air. So you had to, you had to go the right depth. If you went too deep, you'd swim under it. You wouldn't. Yeah, you could find anchor lines to it though, because there were a couple anchors below it that you could find to go up. But yeah, they're they're ten feet below it, so if if you missed it, you you couldn't see it above, depending That's on what right. the conditions were. Yeah. And uh, as we were swimming over, my buddy, uh, well, I lost my buddy, so I um, and we were in the middle of the quarry since we were on the way to an attraction. So when you're when you're out in the middle of the water, it's very easy to get lost. And yes. when you can't find any landmarks, and especially you can't find the most important thing you sort of have as your reference point is your buddy, yep. that's uh that's where you that's where you cut it short. Yeah, I cut the dive short and aboard. Huh. So I went up, I did my safety stop, 
um, and then got to the surface. And I was I was very very frantic because I thought I was going to ruin everything for everyone, and because because I lost my buddy and I had to abort. I know I was going to be in trouble. Huh. Um, but I didn't panic. I was just very distraught. When you get to the surface, you just inflate your BC all the way, and then you're able to hang out. Because more often than not, you'll read about a lot of diving accidents where people end up drowning. And it's nine times out of ten, they actually make it to the surface before they submerge again. They always make it to the surface. And what ends up happening is one of two things. One, they don't drop their weight belt, so they're constantly fighting against the weight that's pulling you under the water. But the second most important thing is people, in their panic, they forget to inflate their BCs all the way, so they don't have to tire themselves out. That, and also they might not have any air, so they got to manually blow, and they, they lose their mind and forget how to manually blow it up. Right, yeah, so to, to our audience, they're... It, if you're out of air in the tank, there's still a way to adjust the air in your BC manually. And that's where you take the exhaust valve, and when you normally hold the button to let the air out, you can just put your mouth on it and blow in, and that's how you can manually inflate it. So, can't do that underwater, though. No. Well, uh, no, you can't. can't well, you, you can, can, but if you're you out can. of water, there's not really much for you. You're getting yeah, the, if you uh, have air, air underwater, you could do it underwater. But <laughs> yeah. if you're doing it, then use your butt. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, but, but he is right because say your your airline gets blown off for whatever reason, or the, the tube gets cut. There's still a way to control your BC using the regulator that you're breathing through. Yeah. Take a breath from that. So, anyways, I get to the surface. One one of the lifeguards, because the quarry always has people on station on a few towers to watch to make sure everything's going all right they send out a rowboat yeah they send a rowboat out to me they're like what's what's wrong buddy where's where is where's your group i'm like i don't know i lost my buddy and i i couldn't find him and i had to come surface like oh okay well just let us know what group you're with and uh, we'll get you back to shore so they they got me on the rowboat i went back so we'll shift the perspective back to my dad who was with the rest of the group and what's funny is he, he was the last one to know, of course, because they didn't want him panicking, realizing I'm gone. So anyway, <laughs> back to us. So we're all swimming around the helicopter, having a grand old time, taking pictures of each other and smiling and laughing. And, and Keith, the instructor, he has a slate, which is like a piece of plastic. and You write on it with a pencil. That's how you talk under there, besides using hand signs and stuff, because obviously you can't talk. So we get messages back and forth using slates. And we're all sitting there having a good old time and stuff, and me not knowing, Keith is passing this slate around to all the other guys saying, and on the slate it says, where's Luke? <laughs> and uh, so all that's going around, but I'm not seeing the slate, you know, and I'm not really paying any attention. and. Well, yeah, you're in a helicopter, a really cool yeah, exactly. helicopter. I'm in a helicopter, man. We're, we're swimming around <laughs> inside it and all that and joking around, looking at the fish. And so anyway, my buddy Tom, he comes to me and he says, he gives me the, we got to go up signal. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so we go up and uh, we get to the surface where the floats are that are holding that helicopter suspended. There's these floats on the surface. So we're up there chilling out and and uh, I said to Tom, I said, you know, I still had probably another, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes left of air, man. Why do why we cut short? And he's like, yeah, well, well, no. And Keith just wanted everybody to come up right now. I said, oh, okay. Huh. So we all come up and, and all, you know, we're all chilling out. Everybody's chilling out now. And, and at this time now, now Tom, he can't keep it from me anymore. Like, you know, he's got this look on his face. And I'm like, Tom, is everything okay? And he's like, uh, well, uh, I don't know if you noticed. You noticed Keith was going around the slate? I said, yeah, yeah, what was that all about? He says, well, uh, we don't know where Luke is. Oh I'm gosh. like, what? We're not really sure. We don't know where Luke is. Luke is missing. Huh. 
And I'm like, first thing, of course, I'm thinking to myself, oh, my wife's going to kill me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what happened? I killed my, my, my wife's son. So I'm... Uh, so all these thoughts going through my mind, like, oh, my gosh, my, where is Luke? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to freak out. And, uh, and Tom's like, we need to just swim back to shore. So we swim back, and, and I'm just, uh, you know, I, I've got really awful pit in my stomach. You know, I'm like, I can't believe we're here to have fun, and I might have lost my son. So it was kind of scary. And, uh, of course, once I got to shore, there was Luke on shore. He was already out of all his gear and everything, and it was like that's a relief. Oh yeah, it was a big relief. It was it was a huge balling my eyes out. Felt felt so bad. Luke was was safe, and uh, I'm sure my eyes were were full of tears because I was very happy to see that he was okay and uh, and everything. So I like I said, and then at that point I wasn't worried anymore, and I was just relaxing and swam the rest of the way to shore and stuff and. And then of course, then then we got the story. Like like Luke said, is he had a bad buddy, BB, and uh-huh. yeah, apparently, uh, I guess his buddy swam away from him, Patrick, and he he hooked up with another guy, and that that's how knew Keith Keith knew something was wrong when he saw three three divers together. He knew something was going on because everybody had pair. We had pairs. There was no reason to be a threesome. Because there's enough of us for each of us to be two at a time. So that's how Keith knew something was, was up when he saw that the three of them. And he gave Patrick hell, which was Luke's buddy. And, uh, and of course, the kids, I think the kids learned a very, it was actually, I, overall, it was a good lesson for the kids to learn. The kids, uh, again, they became better divers because of how they learned how important it is not to lose, not to lose your buddy. That you really got to pay attention to each other. and. And, uh, and of course, we reiterated what happens when you lose a buddy. Luke did the right thing by going to the surface. Patrick did not. Patrick should have went to the surface, too. You spend some time looking, and then that's it. And the next thing you do, you know, you don't spend a lot of time, about three or four minutes of looking. And if you can't find your buddy, you go to the surface. And that way, both of you will do the same thing. And then when you get to the surface, you'll be together. And then at that point, you can go back and can go back to dive if you want. And like I said, Patrick did not do his part by going up to the surface. So, so in that case, you know, Luke could have been worried that Patrick was dead. You know, I don't know if those thoughts were through your mind, Luke. I don't know what you thought, but I, I can't remember much. But then, other than I, I, I thought I screwed up, and I was. But you did it. You did what you were trained to do, <laughs> and and it just and like I said, and it was a good learning experience for everybody too. Everybody. We reiterated again the importance of, of being within sight of your buddy, and sometimes it's arm's length. I mean, depending on that. Yeah, walk. especially if your visibility is not yeah. great. So you really gotta. It's very important for survival. In case, like I said, diving is not super dangerous, but because your buddy's got spare things and you got spare things, so I mean, if something goes on, there's lots of options for you to save each other down there. But if you if your buddy's not there. There goes your spare reg. There goes some spare air. You know that's that's why it's when you when you dive by yourself, you got to be a very advanced diver to, to do any diving by yourself. And, and even then, it's not recommended. And I, not recommended. I, I consider myself an advanced diver, and I I would not dive by myself. I did no reason for it. It's, just because you are an advanced diver. Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> it's like the more you know, the more of a reason you know not to dive by yourself. That's <laughs> That's correct. Your buddy can, there's just so much your buddy can do for you that it just makes it a lot easier. It's just, it's just, it's just a safety net to have your buddy. It makes diving that much more safer. So having another set of redundancies for really everything you need is such a key component to making sure that you won't get hurt if something fails. That's correct. So, but again, I don't want to scare people. Diving is fun if you get good training. You know, you and you know a lot of people do just shallow diving, anyways. Most reefs are thirty feet or so, anyways. At most, I was going to say most of the stuff we did at Florida was around twenty fifteen. Exactly, and, and that's beautiful. Now some reefs are a little deeper, but very few are more than fifty feet deep. 
So yeah, yeah. So it's uh, and that's all very reasonable diving depths for 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 new divers. Yeah. And really, you're not missing out too much on the deeper stuff because as you get deeper, you lose most of the colors anyways. That's and you correct. Can't see as much. So. losing color. And the fish, you know, the, most of the fish is in the shallow stuff too, the good looking mm -hmm. stuff. Oh my gosh. And it's crazy going from like a quarry to <laughs> the open ocean and the amount of fish, just, just the amount of fish. Because, you know, I remember being in the quarry. And if you we got excited one, when you saw one fish, yeah, you're like, you oh, dude, fish. that's exciting. You, you saw excited. that one fish during the dive. You're excited. That's the thing you'd be talking about afterwards. It's like, <laughs> yo, did you see that one brown fish? <laughs> see that trout? Uh, 20 that minutes cool. into the dive. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, dude. We saw a living creature underwater. Yeah. And then you go to Florida and you get down underwater and immediately – uh, depending on where you're at, you can immediately see hundreds, hundreds of fish in probably the same amount of different colors, schools of fish all swimming in like perfect, like, um, cool. What's the word? Unison. Uh, yeah, uh, unison or whatever, you know, all swimming in the same direction. It's in a just, big school. It's insane. It's insane. So, yeah, that's where the fun's at is exactly is, is those reef diving. And that's and then you find the fish. Like said, that's. And that's the easiest, <laughs> safest diving, really. Yeah, yeah. Is like those shallow reef dives. Yeah. And that's w w where you really want to be. And that's what you're doing all the training for anyways. Exactly. Unless, unless you know, you're doing it for work purposes, which, <laughs> you know, that's a whole nother thing in itself. You remember the You'll make a lot of money doing that. You guys remember the three sturgeons we came up on? You remember that? Oh, I don't know. It came up over a reef, and it was like, whoa! I went backwards at first, because I didn't know what they were at first. The, the sturgeon. I think it's sturgeon. Was is that, is was that, that with Wyatt? The big silver ones? The big silver fish? Uh, you mean the barracuda? Stuff? The barracuda? You mean the barracudas? No, 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 no. I thought, I thought it was... Titans? I thought it was sturgeons, but gosh, now I can't remember what they're called, but they're very big. Like, they're as big as me. We we saw a grouper, but I don't. Yeah, I don't groupers remember. are another big one. Some of the groupers are pretty yeah. big. Oh, I'm looking at these right now. Yeah, I could see us running into one of these. But uh, we, I remember there was three, and they were just hanging out. And as we were going over the, we were like going up and over the reef, and it was like, whoa! I almost swam right into them. And uh, oh wow! I thought you guys were right behind me too. I think the two of you were right behind me. It was like I did like a little backwards. Startled me at first because I didn't know what they were at first, except that they were big. <laughs> but there's always a bigger fish there's well, always so, a bigger uh, fish talking about big fish right so sharks you know people always worry it's like well, what what if what, what are you gonna true. do if you see a shark well here, here's the thing folks unless it's a tiger shark who are they're just dumb or you have a Bull, bull shark. shark. Bull, bull shark. Bad news. Bulls, you got to really worry about other that. sharks, including great whites, but you won't see them at reefs because they're they're more open water sharks. But yeah, yeah. the the you wide variety of other sharks that you probably can look at on a, on a book or on the internet, most of them don't like things that are their size. They are wary of things because when they see something as big as them, they're like, "Oh, that's, that's a another challenge. predator." Yeah, that's right. So. Most of the time, they'll actually be swimming away right yeah. when you start your dive. And I think sharks, too, like, they know that, like, something in their head, like, so when they see a human at the surface, they're like, oh, this is a human, like, I can jump this thing and, and, and get the upper hand. Because, like, they know humans generally hang out at the surface or on shore, but when they see a human underwater, they don't really get it. They're like, well, that can't be... A human, or that can't, right. you know, that's probably another fish, you know. Exactly. So it's like they think of you as a predator when you're down, exactly, versus like just when you're floating on top. Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, that comes probably the closest equivalent is a dolphin, and they hate dolphins because <laughs> oh, yeah. dolphins actually pick fights and beat up sharks for fun. <laughs> Plus, all the bubbles uh, coming out of you that kind of freaks them out a little. They see sad dolphin bubbles and stuff coming out of you. Uh, dolphins are the chads of the ocean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you oh, will see the, sharks. the one sharks you will see at reefs are nurse sharks because 
Unlike most sharks who need to keep constantly swimming to get water over the gills in order to breathe, nurse sharks have pumps built around their gills so they can be at a stop and rest to have water constantly pumping over their gills. Yeah, and, don't touch the nurse shark. Well, don't. I was going to say, don't touch wildlife in general. Correct. I don't know why people think they want to touch wildlife. You're... You're stressing out the animals when you do that, first of all, because they don't know what the heck you are. And then you're going in their personal space, and they definitely don't like that because they don't know if you're going to do something to them. Yeah. To Wyatt's point. Don't feed them. Don't put your fingers by their mouths. Yeah, just just leave them. You can can stare at them, but don't don't touch. A docile animal means it's not going to bite you if you provoke it. It just means it's not going to do anything to you if you don't approach it. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Otherwise, as long as you know, you can look but not touch while you're diving. You don't really have to worry about anything about your personal safety. With That's true. The vast majority of the animals you'll see under the water. Yep. Even eels, moray eels and stuff. As long as you're not poking at them, they're not going to hurt you. It's like, but yeah, yeah. Though that's so that's the really scary looking green eel that has the really big open expression. People are probably aware of when they see like a spooky eel. That's what they think of. Yeah, and it's funny because they're one of the largest eels that even exists. Most eels are actually much smaller than them. Um, but yeah, don't go near them because most of the time they'll just recede in their hole. But if you get closer, they're gonna feel cornered and they're gonna lash out. Yeah. Now. An interesting fish, because I do have one small story, is with the barracudas. They have very poor eyesight, and barracudas can get pretty big. So they'll generally swim up to you just because they want to get a good look at you, because they look you look like a blurry object to them. They're like, what what the heck is this? Especially and, if you have something shiny. Yes. Like shiny you. things in general attract fish yeah they, they, watch, they like to know what it watch is watch or something like that yeah they something that reflects in the water that that tracks their attention but it doesn't mean they're going to take a bite out of you no. and they, they they do look scary because they they have all their exposed teeth looking at you and while they're breathing they're opening their mouths like mouth breathers and <laughs> they're they're just trying to get a look but as long as you don't touch them they're not, they're not gonna do anything to you during our sea base, uh, one of our in-betweens, uh, I guess, lunch breaks or whatnot between our dive sites, we took a break, ate lunch on the boat, and then we were allowed to go snorkeling, right, Dad? Yeah. And I was snorkeling about uh, on my own, and I ended up by myself kind of far away from the boat, and I saw, like, I, I swear this barracuda was, like, eight feet long. This, this thing was... A big silver fish <laughs> and i was like oh oh geez i was looking around by myself i'm like oh i am i have no one near me so i i freaked out and swam really far up to the surface really quick because when you're yeah. snorkeling you can hold your breath for a minute while you're looking at things and then i'm like oh i am really far away from the boat so i i swam so fast it felt like i was running on the water uh <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "Oh shit, I'm I'm all by myself, and I'm like forty feet away from the boat. I need to get back to the boat. Uh, snorkeling's over. I don't need to do any more snorkeling." <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I I will say it's definitely one of the coolest things uh, you can, you can try as long as you're not afraid of the water. We had one guy try to get his son to get trained with us to go diving. And the kid doesn't swim. So please at learn all. how to swim first. Yeah, That's like at all. Prerequisite. Not only <laughs> doesn't swim, doesn't like to go underwater. Yeah. Yeah. How how do you how do you I don't know what the thinking process was Swimming that, but and enjoying being underwater are definitely prerequisites. Believe it or not, I don't know if you know I don't know. It might not be obvious, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Being in the water is a, a prerequisite to scuba diving. Absolutely. So. If you're not comfortable in the water, scuba diving's not going to make you more comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Because uh, the first thing is if, if you're stressed while you're 
scuba diving, you actually cut your cut into your time because your breathing rate's a lot higher. Your heart's mm -hmm. pumping a lot more. Yeah. And as you get more experienced, you actually will get more dive time because your breathing rate slows down so much because of how at ease you end up getting. Yeah. I, I remember uh, towards our later dives, especially after we got certified and you started working at the dive shop with, with Keith as an instructor dad. And we, we get invited a lot to the, the training weekends at Dutch Springs. Um, one dive I had after it was like 40 minutes, uh, you know, we all came up or whatnot. And he looked at my, uh, my air gauge and he's like, you're at 1500 still. Do, do you even breathe when you're underwater? I'm like, I, I do. I just guess I'm not breathing a lot. <laughs> Yeah, because you're right. Usually, uh, you'd be surprised. New divers, like, they got, like, 15, 20 minutes is all they can get out of a tank. Oh, yep. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, As then, mentioned earlier, then you go right up, your gear. Like you said, then you can get up to 40 minutes on that same tank. So. Still going? Yeah, I think we're good. But I, I was just uh, want to finish off training. Look for Naui if you have the option. Patty is the more well-available and well-known, but Naui is going to help you a lot. And Patty will get the job done, but... It will. Yeah, you know. it will. You'll, you'll, you'll learn. It's better than just, like, the quick, whatever, 30 minutes they'll do in Barbados and just give you your equipment and say, all right, good luck, kind of thing. <laughs> um, you'll, you'll, you'll be a competent diver with Patty, but you'll be a knowledgeable diver if you get your Naui certification. I agree. And the second thing to that is just rent all your equipment first. I know a lot of people when they get into a new hobby like to kind of buy everything right off the bat. Um, for for diving, we've like we mentioned, it's actually very important to try out your gear first. Try out brands to see which ones you prefer over others. And even when you do that, never buy your tanks. Just always rent those suckers. There's yeah, there's so much maintenance and tank certified. If you're going to buy anything, the first thing you should buy is your regulator. Oh, regulator. Your regulator is the most important thing to buy first. Because that's that's what keeps you alive underwater. And Yeah, you know, we, so we didn't go over all the equipment, but that's the that's your breathing apparatus. That's what you use to breathe from your air tank. The yep. one that's self-contained? That's yes. right. The self-contained. And usable underwater? Usable underwater. Yeah. The regulator. <laughs> But that's the it all circles back. That's the first thing you should buy before you buy anything, because that's the thing that that's that's what keeps you alive. It's good to know where your regulator's been versus rental ones. You know, you get there's a lot of dives that get cut short because something goes on a rental regulator. But yeah, build out from there, and hopefully you'll have many many dives. And what's also nice about it. And general is once you get your certification, it's for life. That's so correct. You can take a break. Uh, it's always recommended you do a refresher. Um, yes. Go to a dive shop and ask for when they're doing a training session. Just yeah, so you I can would definitely do a refresher. Absolutely. In the pool. Yeah, if you haven't been in the water in a couple of years, you should do a refresher before you go back. Yeah. Your training is valid all the way until you're gone. So that's another nice thing about it. It's a good and investment it's a really cool activity that i think um it's like learning a bike a lot of it comes back to you after you give yourself a refresher and it's, it's definitely it's not something you can do everywhere um so of course also keep that in mind when you when you are looking to do it but as matt said earlier the opportunity to do it is usually provided by a lot of your dive shops if you don't have anything near you you'll you'll find someone that helps to organize trips so all right i hope i hope everyone learned something uh yeah. thank you dad for coming on it's been well, a great pleasure talking to you sure, about for sure thanks for coming on thanks always, for having me always cool to talk diving it's uh it's a shame there's there's some stuff you know we didn't get to but you know that doesn't mean uh, we we can't have a sequel episode. Maybe you can have like an episode on Sea Base or an episode on the Key Largo, or you know. Oh yeah, for like, sure. Just just the trips themselves could chew up a time. Just talking about the trips.
This was the primer for everybody. Right. This was the scuba primer. <laughs> now it's opening the door for more scuba episodes. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for uh, uh, listening in. And uh, the rising suns are now setting.